here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the brand new Las Vegas Raiders. This is the Raiders Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Raiders Wire editor Marcus Mosher. Marcus, this is crazy. The Raiders, they're 5-3. and three. They're in the number six spot in the AFC. They've gotten to this. I was just reading on the Raiders wire. They've gotten to a spot now where we're, we got to start raising our expectations for the Raiders officially. Right now, it's it's playoffs or bust for this team. That's that's incredible. That's a, that's a that's a beautiful thing, my man. Yeah, absolutely. With the uh, with the schedule that they had early in the season with games against the Saints and the Chiefs and the Browns, uh, you know, we were thinking this is you know if they could get to three and five or even four and four, that would be considered a, a successful first half of the season. But at five and three, with the the way they're playing and the way the offense is playing, yeah, absolutely, it's playoff or bust in Las Vegas. What do you think about? this game against the Chargers, man. A lot of things happened. Uh, the offense kind of sputtered in the first half, but man, Derek Carr got it rolling in that second half and he's making some winning plays. Besides the deep yeah. throws, we've been talking about that for a few weeks, but you know that third and ten scramble when he launched himself for the first down leads to a touchdown. I'm like, oof. Oh man, there it is. That's it. That's a winning play right there. That's a play that only only a few guys in the league make. You know what I mean? That's absolutely. He's, he's developing into a leader right before our eyes and that's, that's kind of sweet. First and foremost, this was the, the prototypical Chargers game, right? You, you have you play fantastic all the way up until the very end, and you just can't figure out a way to win. Even the Chargers must have thought they won that game after uh, the game was ruled a touchdown on the Donald Parham, uh, you know, end zone fade. Uh, but after being reviewed, determined that it was incomplete. So uh, pour one out for the Chargers fans. This is just a rough season. But uh, as for Derek Carr. Yeah, he's playing really well. Now, the, the volume stats aren't there, right? He had just 165 yards uh, on Sunday, only 13 completions. But again, he's doing what he needs to to, to win these games. Uh, both of his offensive tackles were out. His left guard was out. Uh, it's a pretty good Chargers defense, and he made enough plays to keep the sticks moving. Uh, the Raiders scored 31 points. This has suddenly turned into one of the better offenses in the NFL, and that's kind of crazy to say. But yeah, kudos to Derek Carr. No, absolutely. And, and what do you think about that last play? Uh, Anthony Lynn, I think you might have said, oh, man, Anthony Lynn, he's going to get fired. And I was like, oh, no, I don't know. They love him. OK, I'm coming around now, Marcus. I think Anthony Lynn is uh, they, they got to get rid of this dude, because after the game, he's like, oh, that was a catch. It's like, are you kidding me? The ball was yeah. like on, his, on the ground between his legs. And I'm starting to wonder, like, is that rule? Am I not getting that rule right? I mean, obviously, I know it's kind of sketchy in the end zone, but you still got to complete the catch all the way through. Right. I mean, the ball was so clearly Listen, on the ground. What's why are people? mad about that well as a as a dallas cowboy fan i, I really can't understand any of these catch rules so yeah. i'm probably the wrong person to ask here but no, you're not come on uh yeah p- p- poor uh anthony lynn i think he's like the greatest nfl coach in the first 50 minutes of the game oh but once God. we get like into the fourth quarter it just it turns into a train wreck so just somebody take him off the sideline when we get to that part point but yeah, poor Chargers, man. I don't know what to think about them. Seriously, and the one thing they got going for them, though, is Justin Herbert, and I love this kid. I yeah. really do. I love this kid. I want to get your take on him. So here, here's a fun question. Here's a fun way to kind of shape this. Who would you take, Marcus, if you had to take one? Would you take Justin Herbert 
or Joe Burrow as your quarterback? Yeah, going into the season, I don't think anybody would have taken Herbert over Burrow, but I think it's at least a discussion right now. The, the way that Herbert carries himself and some of the passes and attempts that he tries to make are, are just incredible, but I, I really believe that Burrow, once you give him, uh, him an offensive line in Cincinnati, you let him figure things out a little bit in that Zach Taylor offense. He's going to be nearly impossible to stop with his accuracy and anticipation and uh, ability to move in the pocket. I'm still taking taking Burrow, but man, Herbert's been excellent this year. Absolutely excellent. Throwing, uh, you know, averaging eight yards per attempt, almost 12 yards per completion, a passer rating of 105. Uh, he's been fantastic. No, I think the answer is Burrow, no doubt. The answer's got to be Burrow. Uh, it's close, though. We're it is close. close it's way closer than I ever thought, right? And I, I love Herbert. I love watching him. It's not just a deep ball. Man, he got the Raiders a few times on those deep throws, man. We talked about it last week. We knew he was going to do that. But it's not only that. He gets it. Like, he takes the short throws when the defense gives it too, right? And we saw that over and over as the Chargers were kind of coming back in that second half. He makes the smart play, and he will burn you when it's there deep. He he just, oh man, he's so ahead of his time. He does not look like a rookie out there. I think the Raiders actually, when he got banged up and they had to bring Tyrod Taylor in for that two-point conversion, that was kind of a break for the Raiders in that spot, I thought. I mean, that, that was oh kind of lucky gosh. because Herbert's scary. Yeah, and you really wonder, like, if... Tyrod Taylor didn't have the, you know, the mishap with the, the lung and the pregame stuff. Is he still starting right now over Justin Herbert? Like, do we even get these fantastic Justin Herbert games if it wasn't for that one kind of fluke injury? Because we know how much Anthony Lynn loves Tyrod Taylor. So uh, just it's kind of fascinating the way that this all played out. No doubt. So there's there's a few things to talk about here in this game. A few interesting things that come up. A couple injuries. I want to get into that with Marcus. We'll do that coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. I'm Corey Bonini of TheHuddle.com, here to talk to you about strong plays for Week 10 of the fantasy football season. This one might be a no-brainer, but coming off of his bye, Jared Goff versus the Seattle Seahawks. Just about everybody is a must-start against Seattle's defense. Even if you remove five rushing touchdowns against Seattle by quarterbacks, no team has given up more than the 372.5 yards per game allowed by this team. The blueprint is clear on how to beat Seattle. Pass and pass a lot. Washington running back J.D. McKissick goes to the Detroit Lions, his former employer, from the 2019 season. He knows the defense well and has practiced against it extensively. McKissick benefits from Alex Smith taking over for Kyle Allen as the quarterback in Washington. It's no fluke that he played so well in the last couple games, and he faces a defense that has given up the most yards per game to the position via the pass. Look for another double-digit day in PPR scoring for McKissick. Going back to the Seattle-Los Angeles matchup, David Moore of the Seahawks, it's hard to get away from him. The level of defensive scrutiny paid towards DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett has more finding the end zone with surprising regularity. He scored consecutive games and has four touchdowns in the last five outings. The only problem is when he's bad, he's so bad that he shouldn't even be anywhere near a fantasy lineup. That said, with all of the attention paid to the star receivers around him, Moore is worth playing in fantasy football action in Week 10. Another guy with an inconsistent target share is Titan Trey Burton of the Indianapolis Colts. He faces the Tennessee Titans, a defense that has given up five touchdowns to the position in eight games, including two over the last four weeks. In the recent window, three guys have posted at least 11 PPR points, and all three of those guys had six pass receptions. Even if he doesn't find the end zone, there's a pretty good chance that he's relevant in fantasy. Gamers could do worse, especially if they've lost somebody like Zach Ertz or George Kittle to injury. For more fantasy football news, tips, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. 
So, Marcus, one injury that's of note is Alec Ingold, right? And this is, you know, fullbacks are always fan favorites, right? And But in the Raiders' offense, this kid is, he's important. And every every highlight where there's a big Jacobs run or even uh, Devontae Booker got rolling in this game a little bit too. I want to talk about him, but it seems like Ingold's always kind of knocking somebody's face off when the Raiders, you know, get a big run. And it, it seems like he's got an injury that they're a little worried about. What do you know about that right now? And how big of a loss would that be? Yeah, the, the Raiders were initially optimistic that Ingold would be back here in a week or two, that it wasn't something serious. But now they're a little bit more concerned that it could be a long-term injury. Um, and look, it's, it's a big knock on the offense you know they he plays about 22 percent of their offensive snaps you know they use him in the passing game he's a fantastic run blocker uh, but where it really hurts is on special teams he's probably their best special team player uh, he plays on just about every single unit so uh, the Raiders are bringing some guys in to try out some fullbacks to maybe get them through the next month or so but uh, yeah it doesn't sound like this is going to be a short-term injury for Alex Ingold. In the running game, speaking of the running game, Booker kind of flashed in this game. He made some plays, yeah. and uh, his, he was quick. He hit the hole hard. You know, obviously that long touchdown run was was key early in the game. But what do you think about him? I, I I don't think I've noticed a lot of Devontae Booker this year, but I definitely noticed him in this game. Yeah, what's funny is, you know, before the 2020 season, we really haven't seen much of Booker lately. You know, he had just two carries last year uh, with Denver. Uh, the year before that, only 34 carries. So this was a guy that was, you know, on and off rosters and uh, just somebody that we thought was kind of just a guy. But with the Raiders, he's averaging 6.8 yards for attempt. He's been really good in the passing game. Uh, he's excelled as a pass blocker. I think when the Raiders brought him in, they were just looking for a body behind Josh Jacobs. And I think now, I think it's a real one-two punch. I don't think it's, I don't think there's a big drop-off when they take Josh Jacobs off the field. I think Booker is maybe even a little bit more explosive. So I think the Raiders do like the idea of, you know, spelling Jacobs and giving him a breather. I just don't think they they anticipated uh, that he would play this well. So, uh, yeah, Devontae Booker, one of the stars on offense. Can I can I also give you another one that's, that's been really oh, uh, surprising? Nelson Aguilar. Uh, yes, I think he's yes. been one of the, the biggest free agent signings that we've had across the entire NFL. You know, he was somebody who was considered a bust in Philadelphia, averaged under 12 yards per reception. Uh, you know, people criticized his hands. He wasn't the most reliable receiver. And now in Las Vegas, Vegas, uh, Aguilar's been fantastic. He's kind of seized that number two receiving job. Uh, he leads the NFL in yards per reception at over 20.2. You know, he's become a deep threat. He's become a guy that Derek Carr really relies on to stretch the field. So, uh, get, again, you have to give credit to Mike Mayock for identifying this talent uh, and finding a role in this offense that, you know, that suits Aguilar. Always love a good uh, Mike Mayock sighting in the uh, podcast, Marcus. Love it. Hey, what's up? What's up, Mayock? How you doing? Uh, no, uh, Aguilar, <laughs> I, I did. I put in my notes. I mean, that catch by him, that touchdown catch was a tone setter. I mean, the, really, the Raiders yeah. didn't have anything going in the passing game in the first half. I wrote it down in my notes. Like, Derek Carr throws for 44 yards in the first half, and then he hits Aguilar for a 45-yard touchdown to start the third quarter. That was a tone-setting play. It's yeah, it's incredible. He has four receptions of over 40 yards this season. Like, this is just not the same player that we saw in Philadelphia at all. I don't know whether it's teams just aren't respecting his ability to stretch the field or if this is just always the player that he's been. And Philadelphia just used him wrong. Uh, but whatever it is, uh, the Raiders are really ex excited about him. They love their wide receiver core with, with Aguilar and Henry Ruggs and Hunter Renfro. It's it, it's just a fun offense right now. They look like a, a good program. Like, they have their crap together, Marcus. It's weird. I didn't expect this with the Raiders. You know, they just look like they're they kind of got it going in the right direction, and, they, and you see it, but that makes me want to nitpick a little bit. There's some things that I do sure. want to nitpick, right? Late in the first half, 
I hated how the Raiders finished that first half with the uh, the defense giving up that long third and 16, and they forget to cover. How do you not cover Keenan Allen? I know the defense has had its problems, right? But guys, let's cover Keenan Allen. Let's not leave him wide open. The third and 16 conversion and then, then the wide open touchdown pass from Herbert to Keenan Allen. I didn't like that. And then what the hell were they doing with like 10 seconds left in the half, Marcus, in their own territory, getting the ball to start the third quarter? Just can you just take a knee and let's go to the halftime? Tied 14-14, like Derek Carr drops back. I'm not sure what the plan was. He gets stripped, and then you gift the Chargers three points. Lucky that didn't come back to bite you, and it really would have if the Chargers' oh, yeah. idiot kicker didn't miss a kick earlier in the game, right? That would have been – those three points would have been huge. So I did not like yeah. – how they ended that first half. I loved how they played in the second half, and I loved how they finished the game. If you're a Raiders fan, you had to, that had to drive you crazy. This is a time where John Gruden needed to realize, you know, the offensive line that is in front of Serious, Derek Carr. Yes. Right? I mean, they were playing really well in the first half, but I think he got a little overconfident. And again, they were without both of their starting offensive tackles. It was Brandon Parker and Sam Young uh, at offensive tackle this week. Just not a good offensive line, so don't chance it. Don't give up a, a stupid play. The risk and reward is just not worth it here. Uh, and luckily, luckily the Raiders were able to survive this because otherwise uh, we would have been talking about John Gruden and, and uh, some of the play calls that he made in this game if it wasn't for some of the Chargers' mistakes at the end of this one. You're a good team now. You're a playoff team. You can't be making these calls. Come on, you can't be doing this to yourself. <laughs> don't hurt yourself, exactly. Marcus. You're not, not going to win the game with – you know, a minute left before halftime. Just, just don't lose it. The Chargers, the Chargers will lose it for you. Just, just relax. Yeah. Again, I thought them getting the ball to start the third quarter made it even more egregious. But exactly. okay, I so agree. the Raiders. What's their percentage of making the playoffs here at five and three? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. And then their opponent coming up. I think that even increases their percentage a little bit because the the opponent they're going to play kind of blows. So Marcus and I will talk about that one coming up next. <laughs> It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Clark, as always, to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 10 Monday Night Football game between the Minnesota Vikings and Chicago Bears. The Vikings are two-and-a-half-point road favorites, minus 115 odds. Bears, minus 106 to cover plus 2.5 at home. Over-under of 44-and-a-half, minus 110 odds on either side of that. Jeff, Vikings coming off a couple of great performances. Are they back on track? And the Chicago Bears, can they bounce back from an ugly loss against the Tennessee Titans last week? Oh, I think they're going to bounce back. This is a great spot for the Bears getting points at home. Kirk Cousins is 0-3 straight up and against the spread versus Chicago since joining the Minnesota Vikings. And they've done a really good job bottling up Dalvin Cook. He's played against the Bears uh, in three games. He's got 47 touches with 140 total yards and one touchdown in those three games. And Kirk Cousins, we all know how he struggles in Monday Night Football. Um, he's got an 0-9 record in Monday Night Football. Give him the Bears plus points. I'm on the Vikings. They're back to 3-5 and five on the year. A couple of big divisional wins against Green Bay Packers and Detroit Lions last two weeks. They make it three in a row. Dalvin Cook is right there in the MVP race. Vikings minus two and a half. They win by three. Subscribe to Bet Slippin' Podcast on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. 
Marcus, I was on the Raiders wire. Where this is where I get all my information. And uh, the, the Raiders now have a 63% chance of making the playoffs. They're 5-3. and three. They're still tied with the Dolphins and the Browns and the Colts. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're kind of firmly in this race. This is kind of sweet. And they got a chance to really improve themselves here at home against the Broncos, who are 3-5 and five and really missed. They dropped the ball last week, right? They were playing the Falcons. They had a chance to get to 500. This game would have been a lot bigger. I was really pulling for the Broncos, actually, because for our purposes, the game would have been bigger if the Broncos were 4-4, four and four, coming off a win over the Falcons. And then they had that ridiculous win over the Chargers, too, with Drew Locke dancing at the end. And this game loses a little bit of its shine. I think the Raiders definitely should beat this Broncos team at home they're favored by five what's your thoughts on that line Raiders five at home against this Broncos team and what do you think about this matchup yeah first and foremost uh, I I do think the Raiders should be a playoff team this year Uh, they've already have a win over the Browns so if we get into these tiebreaker scenarios uh, that's a big one to have you know you know over Cleveland who's probably going to be a wild card team they do have games coming up against the Colts and the Dolphins Uh, both of those teams are expected to be you know in this wild card hunt as we get into late December so Kind of just watch those games as we get close, uh, you know, closer to the end of the season. Uh, but as for the Bronco matchup this week, look, it's a it's an AFC West matchup with a lot of history. This game is going to be close regardless. These games are always close. It's a rivalry game, um, yeah, no doubt. It's a rivalry game, so I don't think it, the, the shine isn't you know too far off this one. Uh, sure, I think it's going to be. I, I think this is going to be a field goal game. Uh, we see Drew Locke look really good at times and then really bad at other times. It seems like he's a second-half quarterback. Yep. The Raiders do have some injuries in their secondary. Trayvon Mullen uh, had to leave the game early last week with a hamstring injury. We'll see about Damon Arnett potentially coming back from thumb surgery this week. I would think the Broncos could have a lot of success in the passing game. It's just whether the Raiders could run the ball against this talented Broncos you know, defensive front. If they can, shouldn't be a problem at all. But again, when you have these divisional games, they are almost always close. I I anticipate this one coming down to the last few plays. So you you almost you're leaning Broncos plus five. Probably, yeah. I mean, it just feels like too too many points, right? I, I yeah. just I envision this game being a field goal contest either way. Yeah, then that and that's not saying the Raiders are going to lose. That's just saying they might not cover the five points, right? So we don't want to make right. the Raiders fans mad at you, Marcus. I don't want anyone coming after yes. you on Twitter. I, I wouldn't want that for you. Uh, yeah, although I know you can, you. I know you can handle yourself on Twitter. You're fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the. Key, yeah, I mean, it's it's not the worst thing. In the yeah, world. it's fine. Yeah, I mean, like, look, I mean, I think it's easy sometimes to gloss over a first half and focus on the second half of games because that's when you win it, right? But the first half's going to be really big because the Broncos kind of suck in the first half and that's the time to get them and I think over the last couple of weeks as you as you just mentioned Drew Locke's kind of got it going when they get behind and they start to get pace on their offense and they start to let them actually throw the ball and they open it up their, their offense is actually not that bad and Jerry Judy's kind of good they got some weapons they got some they're young but they got some weapons no doubt so I want to see the Raiders play a lot better in the first half this week than they did last week you know what I mean I want I want to see the offense kind of get it going and score some points and get a lead I think if you can get a lead on the Broncos they're gonna have some trouble because man they got they got a lot of injuries especially on defense they have a lot of injuries so this I want to see the Raiders in the 30s of this game I do I, I you know this I expect they them should to be, be 31 34 right? yeah yeah if, if you really take out the the Raiders game against the Browns which they did win but it was in Cleveland and that was in that windstorm yeah you know this is an offense that's been averaging close to 30 points per game this season so I would expect against a defense that's not very good uh for the Raiders to put up points and they're gonna need to because as you mentioned I think Denver has a lot of weapons Weapons on offense with Jerry Judy, who had the first hundred-yard game of his career last week. Tim Patrick is an underrated receiver. Uh, you know they've got some running backs and Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon that can make some plays as well. So I think they're going to need 27, 30 points to win this one. What do you think about Drew Locke? I kind of think he's a tool bag, personally. 
<laughs> I, I'm not a Drew, a Drew Lock guy. Uh, but again, I, I know that I'm saying this now on the podcast, and it's going to come back to bite me this week. But yeah. I, I just. Just not for me. Let's just put it that way. The dance. The dance lost me, Marcus. I would have got on board, but I know, and I know people have gone overboard about his dance after the Chargers win, and uh, Colin Cowherd's condemned him for it, right? And I don't think the kid should get tossed in jail, jail and uh, kicked out of the league or anything, but... Well, at least I he's not know. wearing a backwards hat. If, yeah. if he was wearing his hat backwards, we'd be in trouble, right? <laughs> no, no doubt. Hey, enjoy the game, Marcus, all right? Yeah, thanks, Ryan. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.